Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter last week, and we saw some signs that demand may be slowing. So for the past several weeks, we've been talking about how even though markets have been getting uh, concerned, we haven't seen signs of demand slowing at all. I'm still not totally convinced that this is a clear signal, which is part of the reason why we put a question mark in the headline of demand slowing. But nonetheless, we did see some quotes that were suggesting that demand has slowed. Eric, any thoughts on that? I'm curious to know what makes you think demand is not softening. If you look at all the transcripts that you've seen in the past like two weeks, like I would say like 10% of them say that there's demand softening. Most of them are, everything is okay. Everything looks good. Our pipeline is strong, backlog very heavy. So I, I, I get why you would kind of could put a question mark on it. I'm a bit convinced that there could be some demand softening. Actually, maybe they're a bit too reluctant to say it. What makes you think? I, yeah, I mean, I think like anecdotally, demand is definitely starting to soften. But I think in terms of the quotes that we pulled out, it doesn't seem definitive to me. And I think part of that is probably the source of the quotes. Like the main quote that was saying that demand slowed was from S&P Global Market Intelligence, the chief business economist, which as an economist, I just automatically discount economists. Like... Part of what we do at a transcript that I think is so powerful is that we actually are gathering quotes from business leaders, people who have actual data on the economy, aren't just looking at the secondary data or the the echo data. And so I haven't seen like in any of these quotes that we pulled out, there wasn't like a clear important note of the economy from a business standpoint that was saying that they saw demand softening. I think CarMax was the closest to a company that that t- has a lot of touch points that says there is some softening of demand, but they, they said sequentially better comps throughout the quarter. So it was kind of like a, a half in, half out comment on demand being softer. But that said, it's hard to believe that demand couldn't be softening given what's going on in the stock market, given on what's going to interest rates. It's I think that it's starting to soften probably. Yeah, I agree. The Fed chair had two meetings last week and was talking to the Senate committees, which was really interesting. What I noticed is the intention to really, he emphasizes the intention to bring down inflation at all costs. And and one of the researchers that I've read this past week also suggests that that could be a, a switch from maybe having a, a Fed put to actually having a Fed call. Any thoughts on that yourself? We've talked about the Fed call yeah, six months ago, we started calling it a call instead of the put. So I'm glad that somebody is adopting our language at least. But, you know, this, the main thing I've actually been thinking about this week is that usually my expectation is that a stock market would bottom when recession is clear and the Federal Reserve then starts to loosen. And I think in this case, in the last week and a half, it's very clear that a recession is slash was coming, or that's at least where the mindset is. But it's not so clear that the Fed is ready to start loosening. There's nothing that I've seen that the Fed is ready to come in with looser policy. And so I think that's why I personally still tilt a little bit bearish here on when is the Fed really going to get rattled by markets selling off. And at this point, Jerome Powell and the rest of the, the Federal Reserve representatives who have been speaking have been very clear that the market is, is reacting exactly as they would expect it to, and they don't seem the least bit rattled. What do you think about that, Eric? 
I mean, it's pretty interesting. Clearly, what you can what you can say is that the Fed are unbothered by the market, and if in fact I think they would expect the market to be continue being rattled. Their focus right now is inflation. They would they would not want to like caution the market in any way. So no expectation of the Fed jumping in to help out. So going forward, I would say they are really intent on raising rates until until a point where I think from the ones of the Fed Fed chair that they definitively see some conclusive evidence that is that inflation is slowing down. And of course with November elections around the corner, they really want that down as, as much as possible. So something else that I also noticed uh, which is one of the things they've been focused on is housing market. The housing market is 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 slowly shutting off. It's actually becoming easier for people to easier for people to to rent than buy now because the mortgage rates are significantly up. I think around sixty percent now, and that's putting a huge brakes on the housing market. And that's a, a market that the Fed is watching very closely. Would you do you think that can change their mind in terms of how they are doing rates, especially the spike in mortgage rates? Yeah, I mean. I I don't know if it's going to change their mind immediately. It probably has to get a little bit more painful in the housing market before it really changes the Fed's mind. Housing is clearly softening. Housing markets are slower than they were. And it certainly feels, again, like we talked about last week, like the roadrunner on the edge of the cliff ready to fall. But it certainly hasn't quite gone yet. Um I think another quote that, that you picked up that was really interesting with respect to housing was from Lazy Boy talking about furniture sales slowing. So this is not just the housing market for homes themselves, but all of the retail and you know items that go along with a house that were so hot during the pandemic. The other thing I was going to point out on the housing thing was that obviously that if housing starts to soften, then you start to see bank softening. So that's something that really starts to hit the financial sector because our money center banks are so levered to the housing market. And so, you know, depending on the way that this all unfolds, you can certainly see, start to see some of the impacts that, that could make its way through those sectors, which are early recession indicators. These are leading, leading sectors of the economy because they're so interest rate sensitive. So I think another market that has been being impacted these past few weeks and which has been the focus of the administration is, of course, the energy markets. And gas prices are significantly up. And we picked a lot of quotes, I think, from the energy markets that supply is real tight and it will be for a couple of years because uh, CAPEX are at least investing in this area. We've been investing in this area for a couple of years, given especially the pandemic the last two years. And I think it was one of the, the ExxonMobil CEO was saying that it may take up to three to five years to rectify the situation as it is. Uh, so I think like, so I don't, I don't know, what's your take on the energy markets especially? Because they, are, they seem like a very significant political play going into the election season. And at the same time, they're significant in terms of the global markets. It's one of the areas that impacts inflation a lot, uh, directly or indirectly. Yeah, it's interesting because Obviously, there's so many components that affect inflation. And in fact, the central bank says that it looks at core inflation, which is X food and energy. But from a psychological standpoint, energy and oil prices specifically are still like the psychological driver of inflation. It was interesting to read that Citigroup quote, especially where they're forecasting $140 barrel oil because you have additional demand that's still coming online that was offline with the China lockdowns. And you don't have supply being able to rise fast enough to meet that demand. And so from an inflation standpoint, you and I have been looking and seeing a lot of indicators that inflation is going to start to peak and come down. 
But if energy prices can't come down because of structural reasons, then it's going to be hard to see inflationary psychology come down along with inflation numbers coming down, which again would keep the Fed tighter, more hawkish for longer. Yes, definitely. So it's something that I wanted to maybe close on is Facebook and TikTok. You're a big fan of Facebook, but increasingly Facebook is turning. There's something I've been reading also this week about them uh, changing from being a, a social, uh, focused on the social graph now to the interest graph, uh, which is very similar to what TikTok is doing. So it's like Facebook is in t- changing the entire business to become more focused on, to become actually more like TikTok in order to beat TikTok. Um, so normally, yes, it's okay to copy. It's not, they've copied a lot of stuff from the other, but this one is like a change of the entire business model. What's your take on that? This is why I still think Mark Zuckerberg is one of the top five CEOs in the country and should not be underestimated. It's because literally last week we pulled a quote that said that was from TikTok talking about how they have this structural advantage over Facebook because they're an entertainment platform and Facebook is a social platform. And I think that that resonated really true to me because ultimately people care about the entertainment value of these things. They don't care about necessarily the social value except to which it is entertainment value. And that is TikTok's actual competitive advantage here. And so not a week removed from that, all of a sudden we're picking up quotes from Facebook saying, you know, it's not about being a social platform. It's about being an interest graph, which is about how do you make our product even stickier? How do you make it more of an entertainment product? Which I just think Facebook's ability to reinvent itself, to continue to evolve, to look forward and hit new modalities of which the metaverse may not come to pass, but it definitely could totally displace the entire world. It's something I really admire about Zuckerberg and Facebook, and I I think makes it a formidable competitor that shouldn't be discounted. Certainly, probably shouldn't be 12 times earnings, but any thoughts, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I agree. This is a significant change. And listening to one of his commencement addresses at the Harvard Business School, and you could tell the way he he talks of the journey from the dorm room to actually becoming, he didn't intend to build a company that would impact the social, that would be the networking site for a lot of people. Well, around a fifth or, or actually is it a third of the planet logging into one of the Facebook apps. So I think what you see is definitely that ability to reinvent itself when needed. So like when there was a shift towards more but mobile, they shifted. And now that the world is obsessed with TikTok, they want to take on TikTok. They're not scared. They also, at the same time, they have the ability like to to build a metaverse and also like to be part of that if it works out. I don't think, I, I'm not convinced it will. Um, I'm very skeptical about the metaverse and their, its ability to change the universe, I would say. But I mean, they're trying and they, they're investing as much as they can to make sure that they, are, they, they have their hands and feet at all places where there's potential that they could, they could be the places where people connect to in the future. So like, like I, I scroll through, once I, lo- I log into TikTok and once you scroll down, like what they bring you are, uh, they, they try to predict what you want. And, and that's where I think the world is at now. People are less about like finding out what their friends are up to. They just want to know what's funny, what's interesting to them. That if you can predict that I liked the last football video, or at least I enjoyed it, then you can serve me more of this, depending on the time I'm spending on that video, that would actually give you a better clue 
than looking at my friends because my friends also have their own interests that they do, I don't want to keep updated with it. In fact, you go to Facebook to check out birthdays only. Other than that, <laughs> TikTok is where you go for entertainment. So I, I think he has a case you know, to make in terms of him trying to replicate TikTok. And I saw some statistics that TikTok is actually where people are spending a lot of time presently. I think we'll include that graph in, in, in the transcript to this podcast, but definitely talk to TikTok is a formidable opponent and they're taking them on. And I mean, as an, in, uh, if you're an investor, you want to see them do that uh, more often. You don't want them relegated to the island of irrelevancy, I would say. Any thoughts uh, or should we close there for today? I think that's probably a good place to close. All right. I think we'll be off next week. Uh, we'll not be having a newsletter next week, but uh, the week after we'll be back to brief the earnings season. So thank you for joining us this week. I'll see you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.